First reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, page 1094 in your Bibles if you're following it there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we pray you'll inspire us again with your word. Open our hearts to hear you. Amen. I was listening to the radio in the car the other day. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a classic FM girl. Maybe Radio 2, Radio 4, Matt Redman on the CD. But when you've got other people in the car, sometimes you have to compromise. My children go for heart. Well, they don't, but that's, that's as near to Radio 1 as I'll let them get. And uh, so Heart FM was on the radio as we were driving along the other day. And there was this, this uh, song on, and I was listening to the lyrics because I, I, you know, in a very arrogant way, like to have intellectual discussions about the lyrics of pop songs. But <clears throat> it was, uh, I don't know if you know it, Heaven's a Place on Earth... And one of the lyrics really struck me. It said, it's a miracle. I'm here right now. Heaven can wait. Love's here now. I thought, wow, God gets everywhere, doesn't he? Even Heart FM. It possibly felt like that in the gatherings we have described in our readings from Acts, with heaven come to earth. It looks idyllic. Possibly like the fulfilment of the promises in John, that they might have life to the full. The passage in Acts is a description of what was pre-early church. This is the birth of the church, when they were still working out what church was. They weren't even called Christians yet. It looks like it was difficult to contain the excitement of the first followers. Their passion almost jumps off the page at you. It seems as if we want to join them, even after 2,000 years. But there were immense problems for those first Christians. We would be very wrong to think that it's all very well for them to make an impact on an unbelieving world. They had so much going for them. It was, in fact, a formidable task. To the Greeks, the message of these Christians was sheer madness. To the Romans, it was weakness. To the Jews, it was blasphemous and totally incredible. Everywhere, Christians were opposed as antisocial, atheistic and depraved. 
They had a really bad press. But still, John tells us about having life and having it to the full. And that does sound like the early church that's described in our Acts passage. There is something here worth looking at. It seems for the early Christians in Acts, mind and heart, spirit and flesh, were converted to a new way of experiencing and responding to the world, to each other and to themselves. As if God saw them and as if they wanted to live as if God's reality was the only one that mattered. There were four attributes we have described to us of this early gathering. It was a learning church, a loving church, a worshipping church, and an evangelical church. I think Luke describes this for a reason, and it's worth taking each one in turn. Sometimes it's helpful for those of us whose Greek is a little dodgy to look at different translations to get a fuller understanding of what's been said. In our NIV translations, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But in the Amplified Bible, devoted is translated as persevered and constantly. And in the message, it says they took him at his word and committed themselves. Persevered, constantly, committed These are powerful adjectives and give us some understanding of the level of effort put into understanding God. John warns us in the passage we had read about those who pretend to have God's message but will lead us astray. And one of the ways we would know is by being a learning church. One of the things I'm sure you have thrown at you when you speak of your faith is that it's a cop-out that it lacks any intellectual credibility to be a Christian. Well, I strongly disagree. Study of the scriptures is fundamental to our faith. There are difficult bits and bits we have to wrestle with and bits we think we'll never understand. There are whole PhDs done on biblical interpretation. Our faith is not one that requires us to opt out of thinking. God desires intimate friendship with us, not a passing acquaintance with automatons. So a loving church says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Our God is Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He exists in relationship. Faith for us is all about relationship with God and with each other. God's power is revealed in unity and relationship. The best way to relationship with Trinity and with each other is through Christ. As John told us in our reading, follow the good shepherd. In the passage we had read, all of the believers were called to serve, not just a few. They loved one another, and they stuck together. They loved sacrificially and abundantly. The book of Psalms speaks several times about the abundance of God's mercy, 
And we only have to look around at the extravagant and abundant world we have to see that God pours his blessings out in abundance. We are called to love that way too. That can feel risky. As John points out, the life of a sheep can be risky. In verse 9, Jesus is talking about the sheep going out and coming in. This is not the description of life in a cosseted, holy huddle, mingling only with friends, but a life lived to the full, exploring the unknown, embracing others, taking risks, and loving with the possibility of being hurt and disappointed. The risk is in reaching out to others. And that surely is the picture we're given in Acts of the early church and how they are showing hospitality and love to one another. We know from further on in the story that it wasn't always easy. They and the apostles were still trying to work out what it was to be church, what it was to live life inspired by the Holy Spirit. There were spats and there were arguments There were personalities and there was change. All the fullness of life. And yet here we have a picture of grace and mercy, which was so infectious that from this gathering, the worldwide church was born. And we look at a worshipping church. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread and prayer. Worship is a huge word. It can be personal, it can be corporate, and it can encompass everything we do. Worship is an attitude. Paul, in his letters, encourages us not to give up meeting together. Worship turns our focus from ourselves to God. God had visited those early believers and was still in their midst, and they knew and they believed it. They bowed down before him in humility and wonder. Do we bring that same expectation of God's presence to our worship today? They were an evangelical church. And in this, I don't mean a branch of the Anglican church. I mean, they were a church that reached out. Of course, we are separated by centuries of culture and of history. But there are still some things we can learn from this passage. Theirs was an urban environment, like our own. Their culture functioned around cities. Of course, there were people living outside the cities who were living off the land. But like us, that was not where the power and influence lay. It was the cities that the early Christians targeted. Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandra, etc., etc. All of them were key cities. The early Christians went for tough city centres and they lived and planted churches there. It is in cities that the gospel first broke through to change society. And the early Christians will have met a wall of rejection, sometimes hostility, sometimes amused apathy or even contempt, just like we would. But if we look again to John's story of the sheep, It may well be that some sheep would rather stay where they are and not take the risk of leaving the pen. Evangelism and mission feels risky. 
But if the sheep didn't leave the pen, they would starve to death. If the church stays in an enclave, it too will die. Sheep need to move on, and so does the church in order to survive and to grow. The secret is moving where the shepherd leads, listening to his voice and going with him. We're given a clue about how that works in our Acts passage, where the early believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to worship, to fellowship, and to prayer. Can you imagine how radical this was then, and it is now? For those of us who were brought up in Christian environments, it may seem fairly normal to learn to live and to pray together as community But for those of us who had a very secular upbringing, this is radical and infectious. In a world where success is paramount, where that success is measured in your salary and your status, where you are the supreme authority, where those that can't keep up are seen as weak, teaching, worship, fellowship and prayer can be truly mind-blowing. You have to completely change your worldview. Suddenly, you meet people who want to look after the weak, who love and give sacrificially, I can't say that word at all this morning, can I? Sacrificially, who want to get up on a Sunday morning to learn and pray together. Don't underestimate the power of this. This is evidence of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives, where people are taking their faith seriously and acting on it. And it was and is truly attractive. It speaks volumes to people who see the shallowness of our culture and long for more. And if we see that as a church that we are not emulating, we need to be down on our knees, asking forgiveness and repenting. And if we're reflecting it dimly, we should be constantly asking for more. We only have to look at verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily to know how powerful this was. And they had no experience. Nobody had taught them the five marks of mission. And yet, they won thousands, millions if you extrapolate it to the worldwide church. So where can we go with these ideas? Is there anything we can learn? The gospel message of family and relationship is more infectious and more important and more likely to help the world than any politics or economics. We need to see the gate that John talks about as the cross, which leads to a new and exciting, challenging world of the gospel, where we see things in the light of the crucified and risen Christ, pushing us out into lush and abundant pasture. Perhaps we should see our gate as made up of the wood of the cross. We are no longer scared and entrenched sheep, but children of our most incredible God, free to abandon our security blankets, as Jesus and the early church did, in order to be the people and the church that God called us to be. Taking Jesus' message of love and forgiveness 
and acting on it is a powerful witness. It changes lives and it changes communities. I've heard lots of theories about how the early church was living as if they were in the last days of this world and that was why and how they could love and evangelize with such abandon. But what if they were living as if this was not the last embers of a dying world, but the new life springing up from a new kingdom? The world of debt and injustice had come to an end on Calvary's cross. They were modeling the new world of grace and forgiveness, which turns our understanding of the world and the kingdom of God on its head. This gives us freedom to practice and model God's love and hospitality. This understanding should affect the word world. The, sorry, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. The way we view politics, immigration, economics, and the developing world. This has more to say to our planet and our political and economic systems than the G8, the UN the Eurozone, or any other man-made institution. We have the key to change things. And this is not a spirituality that is so ethereal. It is nothing useful to say to our world. A spirituality that withdraws into holy huddles, but a relevant, earthy spirituality that speaks and acts on the incarnation of Christ into our situations. Not by power, but by prayer and by the breath of God. That is how the early church changed the face of our planet. And that is how the world will truly know Christ. I bring you back to that song. It's a miracle I'm here right now. Heaven can wait. Love's here now. Amen.